This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado. And today, uh, actually till Thursday, I have the privilege of filling in for my pastor, Pastor Ron Arbaugh, who normally hosts this radio show to take your Bible questions, questions about Jesus, questions about your walk with the Lord and how you can put the Word of God into practice in your own life. Well, the show continues in the same way. Uh, He and Paula are out of town for a few days just to relax and get some time with the Lord. You know, we go to three services this Sunday, and so he jokingly says he's got to get back into three-service shape. So he uh, messaged us yesterday. Uh, they arrived at their destination. They're uh, already in uh, relaxed mode, enjoying each other. And so they send their love, uh, and uh, they'll be back, or he'll be back here on the radio show Friday. That means this Thursday, it's the date day edition, I get to enjoy it with my wife, May. So we'll be here to take your calls and questions. And ladies, if you want to, you can tune in then to ask your questions for May. But today, like I'd mentioned, it is the Tuesday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. We're still here to take your questions. I want to help you fall in love with Jesus or fall deeper in love with him. So here's the phone numbers. 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five, two one zero three four zero ninety five eighty five, eight seven seven six three zero five seven five seven. That's the toll free number if you're out of the vicinity, eight seven seven six three zero five seven five seven. Questions at calvarysa.com. That's the email address if you want to submit your questions that way. You can also use the Calvary Chapel of San Antonio app to submit your questions. Or if you want to call in, you can use the KSLR. Well, I told you about Pastor Ron. So number two, uh, the staff here at Calvary Chapel Christian Academy uh, met today for the second time this week. And this is their staff week where they are in preparation uh, uh, for the upcoming school year that begins next week on Monday. And so there's a lot of changes. Uh, We would appreciate your prayers, your continued prayers for the staff um, and all of the logistical things that we have to figure out with the distancing and all the new guidelines that we have to implement. Uh, The staff here, they all know that they are called by God and this is the work that they have committed themselves to. So with grateful hearts, that's what they're doing. But there's just some working out of the logistics that that takes some time. So pray for them. Pray for the kids. 
and um, we're looking forward to uh, another fruitful year at, at CCCA. The third and last thing, uh, Pastor Ron has uh, asked for your prayers from the radio listening audience for baby Micah. Um, I wanted to give you uh, just a short update from what the limited information I do have, uh, and it's good news. From what we heard, uh, baby Micah has been showing signs of improvement. Uh, some color has returned. His platelet levels have increased. So that's a good thing. And if you have been praying, thank you. Please continue to pray for baby Micah. Don't forget to pray for Isaac and Christiana. Those are the parents. Those are the, the kids, if you will, that grew up here now having their own kids. So um, thank you for that. Okay. Well, let's get right into the questions. We don't have any calls yet. Um, this question is from Alan. This is a long one, so I'm going to read it and then go through it again to answer the questions. Alan says, concerning Jonah, what do you think of J. Vernon McGee's view that Jonah was dead those three days in the whale? And after Jonah finished his evangelistic preaching to the people of Nineveh, he went up to the top of the hill to see what would happen. But because of the repentance going to the Ninevites, God chose not to destroy the city, which made Jonah angry. Did Jonah eventually get his heart right with God again? Okay, so I see a couple of questions here. There's a lot about Jonah that really is uh, it's fascinating, but it's so applicable to our lives. So the first question here is about J. Vernon McGee's view. So J. Vernon McGee uh, is adamant about his belief that uh, he believes Jonah died, uh, was dead three days in the whale. Uh, not necessarily uh, a bad view, but uh, I don't think that's what the scriptures teach simply because it says that Jonah prayed. Now I know his rep response is that Jonah uh, prayed in the belly of the whale at the beginning, and then he was dead the entire time, and then was brought back to life. Um, but in Jonah chapter 2, it's, it's pretty clear that it says while he was inside uh, the belly of the, the whale, he prayed and he sought the Lord. And to me, it's pretty simple that he was still alive, uh, and while he was alive, that's when his heart changed. No doubt, while he was in the belly of the whale, all of the physiological and the, uh, the chemical reactions that were going on inside were affecting him physically. But it was his heart that began to change. And in that place that, um, that he was really stuck at, God had him uh, flat on his back, and that's when his heart had changed. Um, now, to J. Vernon McGee's point, I do see how he would uh, relate that. I mean, Jesus himself validated Jonah's story. In Matthew chapter 12, remember, he referred to Jonah's story as the sign of Jonah being three days um, in the ground and then coming alive again. That would be the sign that he was speaking to the Pharisees about about himself, and that Jonah was the proof. Um, and so with that analogy, I could see how 
somebody like J. Bernard McGee would say that it meant he was dead three days and then rose again. I uh, uh, don't think that's necessary. To, I think it's a slight stretch, um, although it's, uh, it's a viewpoint that, that he holds on to, and, and that's fine. It doesn't change the story at all. Um, and then Alan's question here continues. Uh, and after Jonah finished his evangelistic preaching to the people of Nineveh, he went up to the top of the hill to see what would happen. What was the second question here? Oh, God chose not to destroy the city. Oh, did Jonah eventually get his heart right with God again? You know, it's interesting here, Alan. The, the way that the story ends in Jonah, the fourth chapter of that short book, there's so much there. And what we learn about Jonah is, is, is he is just like you and I, just like us, a, a normal person who was frustrated, angry, even if you will, against the people that were ruthless. The Ninevites were ruthless. And so he had uh, almost a deep hatred towards the people. And, and he even says, God, I know that you are a forgiving and gracious God. And that's what angered him. And so you know the story uh, that God used uh, the, there on the hill, the gourd or the vine, and then the worm to teach Jonah a lesson. Now to your question specifically, Ellen, did Jonah change his heart? Did he repent? We don't know. We don't know. And the way that the book ends and the way Jonah's story ends, I, I think that God intentionally left it sort of open-ended because it, it segues into uh, a wonderful practical application for you and I. Surely each one of us have at some point experienced this kind of anger, this kind of hatred towards a person or some people that have done wrong against us. And what God is showing is that His heart is for the lost. For those, and then he says specifically, these people, they don't even know their right hand from their left, talking about the Ninevites, the 120,000 of them that are lost. And yes, they're in sin, and yes, they were doing ungodly things, but if they're going to repent, if there's even one of the 120,000, and these are, these are just the, the men, there was much more than that if you were going to include the, the women and children. But God's heart was for the lost. While Jonah was angry at the lost, God's heart was for them, and he wanted to give them, the lost, an opportunity to be found. And he wanted to use Jonah. I think of Ananias. You remember when he went down the street cold straight and, and waited for who would be called uh, the Apostle Paul, but at the time it was Saul, who would come there and he's there blind and Ananias would be the one to go and, and pray for him. And Ananias did not want to go. This is someone that has been persecuting us. God, why would we go and help someone that has been against us, hurting your own people for so very long? But that's what Jesus does. He takes the hardest heart. He specializes in, in softening the hardest heart, taking the angriest person 
and making them the most loving. And, and I know this is outside of, of your question, Alan, but when I think of Jonah and his story, and I think of Ananias and, and his story, I, I can't help but think of myself. I was a person before I was saved that, that I wouldn't even want to be around. And I was used to people not wanting to be around me. And I remember having an attitude towards people that would always be like, I'm looking to hurt them first because I know they're going to hurt me. So I'll go ahead and preempt that. I never had friends that I trusted. And that's how I walked around life thinking that way. And then when I heard the gospel message and and actually believed that Jesus loved me for because of who he is, not because of what I've done, not because of how bad I've been, it, it blew me away that he would actually love me. And, and that is the motivation. 22 years later, I have today, when I meet other people who were just like me, just like me, I think, Lord, uh, I was much more offensive than this person. I was much more knuckle-headed than this person, and thank you for the opportunity to speak to them because there's nothing they can say that would offend me. I know where they're coming from. I know uh, what they're like, and I also know that if they were to truly know the love of Jesus Christ, it would change them. Anyways, Ellen, that's a long, long answer to the question about Jonah. Uh, we don't know if his heart changed. Um, I pray and hope that he did. You know that uh, Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans that it is the kindness of God. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Well, God showed Jonah a lot of kindness there at the very end, and I pray and hope we'll see him in heaven. Uh, so I, I, I'm sure he repented because of the, who God is. Anyways, uh, love that question. Thank you, Alan. Let me give you the phone number one more time. If you have questions and you want to call into the show, it's, the number here is 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. The toll-free number is 877-630-5757. Uh, second question we have here is from Candy. Uh, why would God keep sending people to me that are hard to deal with? I'm tired of this common occurrence in my life. And there's an exclamation mark at the end. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm going to take this question and the next one because they're very similar. The next one is from Anonymous, and it says this. Uh, people are so offensive these days. It makes me not want to around them. I'm guessing it means not to want to be around them. I find myself avoiding people for that reason. What should I do? Okay, so for Candy and for Anonymous, uh, this, is, this is the thing we have to remember. Now, I'm going to assume that, that you're a born-again Christian. I'm going to assume that you're a born-again Christian. If you're not, well, then that's where we begin. 
Candy and Anonymous, there is no way you can love people or look at people the way Jesus does unless you have his spirit. You have him living in your heart. And that's the only way you can love the people that God places in your life, the way he wants you to love them. Apart from Christ, the best that we can do, if we're not born again, is to love people with our limited fleshly love. And that's the kind of love that says, you love me, I'll love you. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch you your back. Well, as it relates to these questions, when you say um, people are so offensive and I find myself avoiding people for that reason, what should I do? And uh, dealing with difficult people, you realize when you become born again that you were once that difficult person that Jesus has dealt graciously with. And because of his grace that he's poured into your heart, you realize now that the way you look at people changes, sort of like what I was mentioning there at, at, um, at the end of the question about Jonah from Alan. And that's what Jesus does. He changes our hearts from the inside, and then our lives change from the inside out. And that effectively changes the way you look at people. Now, I would go even further to say this. If you are a born-again Christian, you have a hard time dealing with difficult people, candy and anonymous. I want you to think of it this way. Those people that you think of when you think of people that, that get on your last nerve, the people that you try to avoid, the people that have hurt you in the past and as soon as you see them coming your way, you try to avoid them. Those people those are the people that God has handpicked to be in your life to help smooth out uh, the rough edges in your own life. To smooth out the rough edges. Uh, Peter, uh, the apostle, he talks about uh, the, 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 the temple the being built up uh, and we are living stones. You know, and I always imagine us as, as, as living stones. God handpicks us sort of out of a, a quarry, if you will. And, and he takes this rough stone and, and he smooths out some edges because he has a spot reserved for us in this uh, holy temple, if you will, that is the body of Christ. And if we're going to fit into the role that he has for us, well, he's got to smooth out some edges so that he can shape us perfectly. And God uses these challenging people, the difficult people, the people that are hard to deal with, to, number one, smooth out those rough edges in our own life. We need them. But also, number two, to, to keep us humble. These people or are not nearly as offensive as we were to the Lord. At least that's the attitude we should maintain. And if we remember that, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, in view of God's mercy. Right, so if that's at the forefront of my mind, Candy, and I think about the grace that God has shown me, how can I not show grace to those that are in front of me? If I skip that, and if I forget, if I'm not 
thinking in view of God's mercy. And I'm so focused on how difficult these people are in front of me. Well, I'm going to forget about how much I've been forgiven. And if I forget about how much I've been forgiven, Colossians chapter 3, then I'm not going to be able to forgive those in my life. So why are these people in your lives, Anonymous and Candy? It's because you need them. Don't resist them. Instead, love them the way Jesus would, because that's how much he loves you. I know it's not an easy answer, but that's exactly what the Lord wants for us. I hope that helps. Let's go to our phone lines. We have Ray from San Antonio. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ken. Hi, can Ray. You hear me? Oh, you can hear me. You. Hello. Hi, my friend. How can I help you? Oh, okay. Well, you know, this COVID thing, and we're getting mixed information back and forth, and I don't know what what is the the prudent thing to do with schools opening and they've had some open and have to shut back down because there were so many cases after, you know, one or two days and all, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm wondering what, since since the uh, temperature is unreliable, you know, taking people's right. temperature, unless I guess it's really high, but... Uh, Unreliable. There's a lot of things, and then and then other tests are unreliable. Could give a false negative, and I just wonder how how does uh, a prudent uh, <laughs> Christian go about uh, opening school and, and making sure that the the kids and the the staff are are you know well well. Uh, Got it, Ray. I, I, I understand your question. Yes, no, I understand your question, Ray, and it's a good question. I, uh, quite honestly, I believe it's one that a lot of people are asking, and I, I can answer from our perspective. I can't speak for other schools or other churches, but I can definitely speak to what the Lord has told us to do. The, the main thing is this: we, we, we're going to follow whatever guidances. Uh, are above us. And so the governor is, uh, here in Texas, governor has made it uh, such a way to where uh, schools like ours uh, can open. And uh, what we're going to do is we're not just open, but we're going to do the best that we can. Not to make it 100% safe, because we can't guarantee that. And the truth is you can't guarantee 100% safety anywhere. But we're going to be prudent, to use your word, and uh, in doing what we can with what we have. Uh, we love the kids here. We love the families that are here. And, and obviously, it's a free school. We're, we're not getting money for anything. Uh, but we want the kids to have an in-person education. And all of the data that we've seen for, for our school and for other schools, I think it's the same thing. It's... It's a difficult thing for many students to do well in distance learning. And so uh, to answer your question, Ray, um, 
abide by the rules as best as we can, do the best uh, in terms of you know distancing and keeping everything sanitized, um, not give in to the panic and frenzy. You know, this is Pastor Ron always talks about the information overload that we're completely surrounded with. And I think as Christians, if we overwhelm ourselves with all of this information and we tune out the Word of God and we tune out the voice of the Holy Spirit, we're going to give in to this frenzy. Uh, We're going to give in to this panic. Um, We're going to be careful. We're going to use common sense. Uh, But we're also not going to be extreme and we're not going to be defiant. Uh, We're going to do the best that we can to give the kids a quality education. And for us here at Calvary Chapel and Christian Academy, that's what the Lord has called us to do. Like I mentioned earlier on the uh, yesterday's radio show, uh, I had a chance to pray with the staff yesterday as they kicked off their staff week. And I looked at their faces, and everybody is excited. Are there concerns? Are there questions? Sure there are. We don't have the answer to everything. Uh, we'll figure it out. And what we're going to do is trust the Lord along the way. And, and Ray, I think that's just the best that we can do. We, we have to do what the Lord has called us to do. That's why I hope that helps. Oh, you can hear the music. That means we are nearing the end of the first half of the Word to Stand On for Life. This is the Tuesday edition. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. If you're just tuning in, my name is Pastor Ken Cruzado, and I'm filling in for Pastor Ron this week up in till Thursday, through Thursday, and then Pastor Ron will return here back to the studio to take your calls and questions on Friday. Both he and Paula are enjoying just a few days out of town, and they appreciate your prayers. They're doing well. Sent us a, a, a picture yesterday, and they seem to be enjoying themselves already. So they are, um, uh, they send their love they're doing well, and they'll be back here, at least Pastor Ronald will be back here on Friday on the radio show. In the meantime, the show continues with taking your calls and questions. Um, let me give you the numbers quickly, and then we'll continue with the questions that have been submitted. 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. The toll-free number is 877 877- Six three zero five seven five seven eight seven seven six three zero five seven five seven. The email address is questions at calvarysa.com If you want to submit your questions via email, there's also uh, the Calvary Chapel of San Antonio app. You can submit questions that way, 
Or if you want to call into the show, there is the KSLR app, and there's a Call Now banner at the top. You just click that, and then it'll take you right to the studio radio station, uh, and you can uh, ask your question on the air. Okay, uh, next question is from May. What is the major reason a person is not growing in the Lord? Well, this is a good question. Uh, and I would say, May, the reason why a person isn't growing in the Lord is because they're not getting to know Jesus more. There is a direct relationship between your how much you know Jesus, how well you know Jesus, and your growth in the Lord. You can't grow in Him if you don't know Him. And and the biggest issue with this is that uh, too many Christians uh, have an initial excitement when they make a profession of faith, they start, uh, maybe they answer an altar call, and, and but they don't pursue the Lord after that. And, and because of emotions or whatever it was at the beginning, uh, they fizzle out. And, and for that person, if, if that's the extent of their depth of, of knowing who Jesus is, then their walk with him is going to be very shallow at best. At best. And, and so the major reason why a person doesn't grow in their relationship with the Lord is because they don't know who Jesus is. Now, how do we get to know who Jesus is? The only way you can know who Jesus is is through the Word of God. My wife says uh, at the end of the recorded radio program, fall in love with your Bible and you'll fall in love with Jesus. We promise. And that's sort of a uh, a saying that we have had for years because it is true. You cannot fall in love with your Bible and not fall in love with Jesus. These two are, are symbiotic. They go hand in hand. The more you study your Bible, the more you learn about Jesus. And Jesus isn't like a, a person like you and I. Jesus, the more you get to know him, the deeper in love you fall with him. And I love that about him. So when we open up our Bibles, whether we're reading in the book of Genesis or we're reading in the book of Revelation, it doesn't matter. We're getting to know Jesus' heart even better. And when you know him better, you fall deeper in love with him. That's how we grow in our walk with the Lord. Uh, I would even add this. You know, that This is just something I thought about now. Uh, you know when Paul writes to the Philippians, he mentions in the third chapter that he wants to know Christ. And this is an amazing thought because this is a man who knows Jesus probably better than anyone else. And and he he isn't writing this as a new believer. He's writing this as someone who has already suffered in ministry for Jesus. But he says that I want to know Christ. Uh, and, and, and he's saying the, 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 the power of his salvation. And, and the way he says that he wants to know him is, he wants to join in, the, I'm sorry, to join in the fellowship of his suffering 
And we don't think about suffering as something that helps us to get to know him. But that's exactly what Paul is talking about. Being in chains and suffering physically, beating after beating, taking lashes because of his faith in Christ and his persistence in in sharing the gospel, going to the city of Lystra, being beaten and stoned and killed, left outside the city, only to be resurrected again, then to walk back inside the city. That is a man who then says, but I want to know him. And he wants to join in the fellowship of his sufferings that he would know his power That's the kind of heart that God will honor in getting to know him. And what he says is this. Paul is saying this. Effectively, all these things that I'm dealing with in my life are all the sufferings that I'm enduring are drawing me closer to Jesus. Now, we don't think that way. When when I'm suffering, my flesh is looking for the, the quickest way out. We're pre-wired to avoid and evade suffering. But Paul the Apostle says that that suffering is a gift because it helps us to get to know who he is. And so I I would add, uh, May, as a side note to your your question, we we should use as believers uh, suffering as an opportunity to get to know him even more. Nobody enjoys it. That's, that's naive, but we can use suffering the way Paul did to, to, to know him more. I love that. I love that. So I hope that helps. Daniel says, uh, I feel like I'm called to serve the Lord in something specific, specific uh, but I'm afraid I may have ruined God's plan. Can a person forsake his calling. Uh, Daniel, let me give you some comfort here. Uh, There is nothing, uh, as a believer, it sounds like you are a believer, and I'm going to assume that you are. There's nothing you can do that I can do that will take Jesus by surprise. And so if you are a born-again believer, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you've asked him to forgive you of your sin, you've been made brand new, you've cleansed, been cleansed of all your past sin, and you've been uh, imputed His righteousness, not because you've earned it, because of who Jesus is, then, then that means that there's nothing you can do that would make you lose what He has given to you. Now, so the question really is, if a person really is born again, Now, the way you phrased your question makes me believe that you're concerned that you have done something that would ruin God's plan. And the reason why I said I can provide you some comfort is this, because what Jesus has planned for you, Daniel, is far greater and bigger than anything you can ever hope for or imagine or dream of. And the only way that that plan that Jesus has for you comes to fruition is by you being with Him, by knowing Him, by walking with Him. If you think of what, what, what Pastor Ron was just talking about here, the race that we run, you have lanes, lines on each side 
of your lane that you've got to stay within bounds of. And if you run the race that Jesus has set before you, what's going to happen is this. He's going to place right in front of you your calling, and you're going to fulfill that calling. When we stray outside of the lines, we, we get off course. Our hearts are in sin, and Jesus will correct us. When we repent, that's Him bringing us back on track. That's how we know and fulfill what God's calling is in our lives. Now, when you ask a question, can a, a person forsake his calling? You know, if God has called you to a certain ministry, you can disqualify yourself from it. You, you can't lose your salvation, but it doesn't sound like this is what you're talking about. If he's called you to something specific, sure, you can choose in willful disobedience not to walk with Jesus and forsake or disqualify yourself from the calling. Does it mean that God can't use you anymore? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means when you get your heart right with him, uh, he'll have something else in place for you. One of the things, Daniel, that this uh, makes this so personal to me as a pastor is, is I walk daily in the fear of God, uh, always thinking about if I'm going to, or, or, or let me rephrase that, I, I have a healthy fear in my walk with him that always puts at the forefront of my mind what he has called me to do. I do not want to disqualify myself. I have flesh. And I, and I know my flesh. It only takes a split second for me to act on it. And, and I, I would even say that my flesh today is uglier and even more wicked than it was 22 years ago when I first got saved. And because I know how ugly and wicked my flesh is today, it makes me cling to Jesus even more. I don't want to forsake my calling. I, I don't want to disqualify myself. All it takes is one time. And I don't want to, to, to ruin what God is doing. That doesn't mean I'm going to lose my salvation. No, that's not what we're talking about. But I want to, to see, I want to maximize the fruit. I want to bless as many people as I can. I want to use the gift that God has given me. I want to, I want to continue to be motivated by the gratitude that I have in my heart for what He has done for me. And that's to tell people about Jesus to keep telling people about Jesus, to teach His Word. And if I allow my flesh just a moment, there's a chance I could disqualify myself, and I just don't want that. So like I said, you know, can God use me for something else? He sure could. But in your case, if you are worried that you said, I'm afraid. I may have ruined God's plan. I, I don't know the specifics behind what God has called you to do. But if your heart is right before the Lord, you have owned your sin, and you've repented before the Lord, then what you do is you get back up, and you get to work. Forsake the past. 
again back in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9 when, when Paul says that, that the past, I consider that rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. We, we got to leave the past behind. Are there consequences? There may be. But if your heart is right with Jesus today, Daniel, then what he'll do is grab you by the hand and walk with you through each one of these consequences. And instead of looking back on what could have been and what should have been, you'll be focused on the work in front of you. So, Daniel, I hope that helps. I, I, I think this is an encouraging word for other people in the radio listening audience, too, because I know how the enemy works. He likes to beat us up mentally and make us feel guilty because of something that we've done and that we've ruined God's plan. All God cares about is our heart. And if we've sinned, He wants us to repent. And when we repent, our eyes are focused back on Jesus. We, 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 we remove the dust, kick the dust off, get back up, get back to work, and produce fruit. That's what He wants us to do. Motivated by gratitude. So Daniel, uh, I hope that helps. One more time, the phone numbers for your calls and questions, 210-340-9585, that's the toll-free number in case you're out of the area. The email address is questions at calvarysa.com. Questions, that's plural, at calvarysa.com. You can use the app to submit questions. You can call in using the KSLR app. Okay, uh, another anonymous question that's next. Let me make sure we don't have any calls. Nope, okay. Anonymous says, I have struggled with feelings of not being wanted or included, oh, what do I do? Anonymous, uh, a couple of things here, and I think I mentioned this yesterday. Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten. Well, actually, before I, before I do that, I, I, let me encourage you because when you say I'm not being wanted or included, the first thing that comes to my mind is this: Ephesians chapter six. I love what Paul says. Paul the Apostle says that we, uh, that he has freely given us, and this is the NIV, he's freely given us in the one he loves. But I love the King James in this particular verse. In chapter 1, verse 6, it says that by which he has made us accepted in the Beloved. He says, to the glory uh, of the glory of his grace, to the praise and glory of his grace, he has made us accepted in the beloved. This beloved is Jesus, and he has made us accepted or included in him. So Jesus is the beloved Son of God in whom we are accepted into. And so anonymous, when we struggle with feelings of not being included or not being wanted, not being loved, 
This is how we combat that. We take our thought captives. That's the verse I was referring to at the beginning, Second Corinthians chapter 10. We force our thoughts. We take every thought captive and force them to the obedience of Christ according to his word. What does his word say? It says right here in Ephesians chapter 1 that he has taken me and accepted me in the Beloved. Again, back to Philippians chapter 3, and Paul is talking about the past. He says that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. To be found in Him. That's, I, I think, in a weird way, with visual pictures. And every time I read Philippians 3 and Ephesians chapter 1, the, 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 the vivid imagery in my mind is, is, is always of this weird jello dessert I used to look at when I was a kid. This, this jello dessert that's got floating fruit cocktail inside. I don't even know if I ate it, but I remember seeing it at parties all the time, and it would just fascinate me as I could see through the jello and look at a grape or something that's just floating there. And in a weird way, that's me. I'm found in him. I'm completely surrounded by Jesus. I'm completely immersed in him. There is no part of me that's sticking out. He's got me covered. And in Philippians 3, it says, Paul is saying that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. So what makes me that floating grape? It's just uh, faith in Christ, being in him. That makes me accepted in the beloved. Now, you're probably never going to look at that jello mold the same. But that's me. I always think about that. And I love the fact that there's no part of me sticking out. I want to be completely covered in Him. And that's what helps me anonymous. When I have feelings of not being included, not being wanted, uh, not being loved. And the truth is, my feelings are not reliable. Could it be true that somebody does not want me included? Yes, it could be true. It could be true that there are people in your life that want nothing to do with you, Anonymous. I don't want your joy, your hope to be found in their desire to include you because the truth is you don't need them. You just need Jesus. He fills that emptiness you have in your heart, that desire to be loved that no one else can. And so when we feel lonely, when we feel like um, uh, nobody wants us around, here's what I want you to think about, Anonymous. Jesus is mad about you. He's madly in love with you. He wants to sit and talk with you. He wants to just to stare into your face. He, he wants to talk with you and, 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 and get to know you as you get to know him. And when you find time to do that, when you make time to do that, Anonymous, you know what will happen in your life is you will rely less on what people think and what, what they want or whether they include you or not. And you will be completely satisfied, completely satisfied in just being with Jesus.
it frees you up completely because you're no longer dependent upon the people around you. And I always tell people this, do not let your obedience to Jesus be dictated by other people's disobedience. In other words, when people act ungodly around you, don't act ungodly in return. Instead, you look to Jesus. You tuck in behind him. And he will protect you and keep you safe. So Anonymous, I hope that helps. Emotions and feelings are a real thing, and I don't mean to uh, minimize them, but what I'm saying is what we need to do as Christians is make sure that our feelings and our emotions are appropriate. We are emotional beings. God made us that way. But we've always got to check and make sure that our feelings and emotions are held captive to the Word of God. And then you'll see that he is a chatterbox, that when you're looking for somebody to talk to, he is talking to you all day long. He wants to be with you, and you'll never be lonely. I want to add one more quick thing on a side note, as it pertains to church. Um, Sometimes I, I have counseling sessions with people who feel this way, and what I tell them is, look, if you feel like you walk into church and all you see are cliques, or if you feel like you walk into church and everybody knows each other and you don't know anyone, uh, uh, put yourself out there. Go talk to people. Introduce yourself. Find out what people's story is. Share your story with them. And what, we, what you'll find is that you'll see more people, uh, people are more like you than you realize. It is intimidating to walk into church for the first time and not know anybody, and it feels like everybody knows each other, and immediately the enemy starts attacking us with thoughts of like, you don't belong here. Nobody wants you here. Everybody knows each other here. That's not true. Put yourself out there. Introduce yourself to people. Get to know their story. Serve with them. Find out how you can use your gifts to edify the body. And what you'll realize is that you are knitting hearts with people who are just like you. So Anonymous, I hope that helps. We've got only a couple minutes here. Let me see if I can take a quick show. Uh, uh, actually, you know, I've got less than a minute, so I'm not going to take another question. Let me just elaborate on this last one because this is important. Philippians chapter 3, when Paul talks about leaving the past, that rubbish wants to always come back. I've talked to people who've come into church and said, I've tried other churches. Nobody talks to me. Don't do that. Instead, I want you to walk into a room and with the power of the Holy Spirit, scan the room and look for people that need to be ministered to. I promise you, Jesus will show you who he wants you to talk to. I hope that helps, Anonymous. Well, you can hear the music. That means we have finished the Tuesday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 o'clock. God bless. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. 
The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Well, I mean-